Coming up in this episode, getting your bike ready for riding season. Plus, what to look for when buying a used bike. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, one of the best places to ride in America, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas, and of course, any random thoughts that pop into our head. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. You know, when you're out for a ride, the last thing that's probably on your mind is getting into an accident. Of course, that goes for the driver who's not watching out for you. If, unfortunately, you have been in an accident through no fault of your own by a negligent driver, then you need to call the law offices of Dr. Brad Bradshaw, 417-333-3333. Insurance companies are going to act aggressively in defense of their clients. That's their job. But Dr. Bradshaw's job is to fight even harder for you to make sure that you receive the compensation you deserve to make your lives whole again. After the show, check him out online at bradbradshaw.com and be sure to save his number, 417-333-3333. Dr. Brad Bradshaw, physician, surgeon, and lawyer. Plus, he's a rider too. You know, the Ozarks is one of the best places to ride. It's really hard to beat. And if you're looking to up your ride, then go by Heartland Honda in Springdale, the first Level 5 Honda powerhouse dealer in Arkansas, Heartland Honda. They have a huge selection of motorcycles, both new and used, plus a great selection of riding accessories and apparel. Their red-level technicians can help keep you riding. They're friendly, knowledgeable, and can help you with any of your riding needs. Check them out online at heartlandhonda.com or give them a call at 479-751-7022. Heartland Honda. Work hard, play hard. So welcome back to Random Thoughts from the Road, another episode to keep you riding throughout the year, whether it's cold or not. Now, riding season is coming up, and joining me is Randy Lewis from Bike Works in Urbana, Missouri. What up? What up, my dude? That's what the kids are saying. Yeah, I'm a kid. You got to keep it. What do they say? They got to keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. So we're stay going to classy, talk. Craig. Stay yes, classy, Craig. Stay classy. Stay classy, San Diego. Ron Burgundy, <laughs> one of my superheroes. Yes, sir. We've already established it's riding season right now for us, but for the general person, it's coming up pretty quickly. Yeah, we're on the brink of it right and now. And we've had a pretty mild winter, other than a couple of days have been pretty cold. But you got your bike in storage, some people do, and it's yeah. time to get it out. We touched a little bit on this in some previous episodes, but what we need to really talk about is going into in-depth going to roll that bike out, get it in the sunshine. What do you want to do before you get out there and start riding? Well, in my opinion, you got to make sure your tassels are nice and leather conditioned. Oh, shine them up. Yeah. All the stickers are in the right place and not peeling off, you know, stuff like that. Um, make sure everybody sees you roll it out. Yeah. Start it up. Observe the proprieties at all times. Redline it a couple times. You know, that's, that's always key. I I think. Oh yeah. And when you start it the first time, yeah, rev it up. Oh, Real yeah, hard. Dude. Yeah. Before you even get anything, just don't let the oil mix. Don't no, do none of that. No, just no, 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 rip just, it up. Then if you're in central Missouri, take it to bike works for repair. If you're down in Arkansas, stop by Heartland Honda and get it fixed because yeah. you just broke it. 
Yeah, you did too. I just see a lot of that guys hurting themselves and not knowingly. I guess to some people, it's not a wise idea to just start it and rev it up because, you know, you got to get it warmed up. I mean, there's not very many people out there running car bikes anymore. So let that thing warm up a little bit. I like to get my oil from the sump up into the pistons yeah. and the heads before I... It'd be nice if it stopped clattering before you really cranked <laughs> one up. <laughs> now, nah, I mean, this is something I always do is, you know, a lot of guys don't give a shit about their battery or check their battery or anything like that. But, you know, you want to make sure you got good battery voltage um, just because it's it's kind of the heart of what your system is. You know, you need you need battery voltage at all times. Um, make sure your charging system's working correctly because I've seen a couple guys, they park it and everything's fine. Then they get on it and go for a ride. Well, 40 minutes into the ride, now their bike's acting up because their charging system isn't working. Um, it's not a big deal. You know, if you got an ohm meter, you can check battery voltage, make sure your stator's actually charging. Um, if not, if you're just, you know, completely non-mechanical or not inclined to do that, um, maybe have someone check it out for you or just be cautious the first couple times you ride it. Something I always like to do, we're here in the Midwest, so we get frigid temperatures. Granted, there's places that are colder, but we can have two degree day and then the next day it could be 60. Ain't that I mean, weird. It's just an absolute cluster. Um, so what I've seen actually is your oil, depending on where you store the bike to inside, outside, whatever, um, but bikes that stay outside in the cold or in an unheated garage or, you know, lean to or whatever your place is being stored at the extreme temperatures going warm to cold. Or if you're one of those guys that starts it once a week, say you started on a cold day, you get that thing nice and hot and then you shut it down. I've actually seen condensation build up in the oil tanks or in the engine case. Really? All, yeah. All that does is it turns your oil kind of milky. So are you saying don't start it once a week if you're not riding it? Man, to be honest with you, it, Would you just put it on a battery tender and just yeah, leave it. It seems sacrilegious to a lot of guys. Well, I got to start it and let it warm up. I always just, you know, put mine on a tender. You know, if you have to get the wheels off the ground so you don't get flat spots in your tires and just leave it or go out there and just roll your bike yeah, into you a different that. position yep, every now you can and then. Do that too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people for years have just thought, well, I have to start it. You know, I have to start it. I have to start it. Well, two things happen. Your bike doesn't charge very at a, at a high rate at an idle. So a lot of guys say they don't have a tender. They start it. They let it run at an idle and it's draining the battery voltage. Then they shut it off. Another week or two goes by. They start it, let it run for a little while. And eventually after a month or two, what you find is your, your battery is not strong enough to uh, start it again. And then you're, you're freaking out thinking you got a bad battery. A lot of guys just go buy one and then keep doing the same process over and over and over again. Um, so that's actually bad on your charging system and it's bad on your battery, but it's just a hassle and it's a nuisance. So, um, I always put before I store one up, you know, if that ever happens, stay bill in the gasoline, run it, make sure it gets into, if you're fuel injected, gets through all the injectors, gets through all that stuff. So the gas doesn't break down in your injector and cause a clogged injector, or if it's a carbed bike, I, what I'll always do is just start it run it, make sure that stuff gets all the way into the carburetor. Now there's two premises on this. If you have a carbed bike, one is to leave the gas in there with the stay bill in it, which I've seen is fine. What it does is it, it protects the gas that's in your carburetor. That's the first place that it dries out and gums up and things like that. Um, and then other guys, there's a, there's always a valve or a screw rather on the bottom of a bowl on a carburetor that you can shut your gas off and then you could run it until it drains all that gas out. 
or you can open up that screw and drain the gas out of your bowl. The only thing that I found with doing that is sometimes your needle valve almost seizes in a sense, or the little bit of gasoline that's in there kind of gums up. And then when you go to put fuel to it the next time, that thing is either stuck closed or stuck open usually. And what it does is it doesn't shut back off. Now you've got an overflow situation on your carburetor and it's just like, you know, who wants to dick with that stuff when you're thinking about going right. for a ride? So there's multiple ways to do it. Um, what I always do, carbed bikes, I'll put stable in them. I'll make sure it gets mixed in the gas really well. And I leave it on a full tank because a lot of guys say, well, we'll drain the whole thing out. Well, when you drain it all out, sometimes your rubbers dry out in your, say, like your shutoff valve or in your carburetor. So I make sure it's full of fuel because if it's full of fuel, it's not going to be full of rust and air and water when you go to start it. You know, it could only be so full. But I'll make sure I put stable in and fill it up with gas and then run it for 20, 30 minutes or take it out for a ride or whatever. And then when I park it, make sure it's full of gas. I shut the fuel off, but then I leave all the gas in the carburetors. and Keeps everything from drying out. Yeah, exactly. It keeps everything from drying out. And then, like I said, if it's full of gasoline and full of with stable, it doesn't break down like normal gas does and turn to tarnish. Now, as everybody, I guess, knows, I'm a rider. I'm not a mechanic. Never claimed to be. So I'll ask you some questions to tell you what I'm doing. Let me know if I'm screwing up and I should change my ways. So in the winter months when it gets cold, I still mm-hmm. ride. Yeah. But there's something in me that I, I don't know, I've been doing this for years. When it's cold out in the winter months, even though I'm still riding it, I run stable in it all the time. Every time I fill it up, I give it its due amount that it's required. Mm-hmm. And I also, when I park it, even if I'm just parking it overnight, if I know I'm going to ride the next day, I keep a battery tender on it year round. Is that a problem? Um, it depends on your tender. There's two different things. There's a, a battery tender and then there's a battery maintainer. Um, they call them float chargers. Now, there are two different types. One type will constantly send a charge rate to your battery at two amps per hour. And what that one does is it's continuously on a charge. There's no off. There's no dead time. There's no nothing. And that will overheat your battery and um, well, I have the sulfate. type that monitors it and, and yes. applies the charge as needed. And if there's no charge needed, it, that's it doesn't. The, yeah, that's the kind that you need, which I think about all of them are like that now. I mean, I can't remember seeing a product out there that's not like that now, but it's a float charger. What it does is say 12.5 volts at battery sitting there. And then say if it, it starts to dissipate, once it kicks below, like say hypothetically 10, 10 amps, now your float charger kicks back in, charges it back up to full charge, and then shuts off. What that does is it just keeps it conditioned. It keeps it cycled to be on a full charge. It's not overheating it, and it's not, you Right, know, my particular charger will only charge it to 90%. There you go. It won't go to a full 100% charge. Yeah, that, that I think is very wise. I've seen a substantial increase in battery life by being able to keep one on it. Plus, whether it needs it or not. I change my battery every two years, regardless, because there's nothing worse in the world than being in the Ozarks in the middle of Bodunk nowhere. Get off your bike to take a squirt or something or whatever. And your cranking amps are shot and you can't can't start your bike. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's personal preference. Most batteries now, a good AGM battery, not a lead acid filled. There is a difference in batteries. Right. Um, I'm an anti lead acid battery. Yeah. They're garbage in my opinion. Um, but they usually, most of the time you'll see about five to six years out of a good AGM battery. Really? Yeah. That's what I've been seeing at least. So, huh. 
sounds like I'm spending more money than I really need to. So we got the battery set up. We've got the fuel system uh, figured out. Mm-hmm. Other things that you want to look at, of course, is tires. We've harped on that before, but you, yeah. a lot of times people will say, well, I've got good tire pressure, but then start looking at things like checking in your tires and, yeah. of course, tire wear. Yeah. Some people, I guess, either one, don't care, or two, are just ignorant to the idea, so they just... You know, it just isn't a thought process. It's like, when oh, you have a tire blowout on you, you will care. Yeah, that's for sure. And I've done it too. Not so. like in a car. Exactly. Exactly. And I, it's something stupid. I have people all the time. Hey, can you patch this tire? And I, my patching a motorcycle. Yeah. Tire. I'm just, nope. Not going to happen. Somebody might do it for you, but it's not going to be this guy. The only time I think that you should do that is if you're on the road somewhere in the middle of nowhere and you got a flat. Yeah. I keep one of those in my, in my, uh, repair kit as a oh, tire. Yeah. So I can patch it just to get to the next town to replace the tire. Right, exactly. You know, on tubeless ones, I carry plug kits. On tube tires, I carry a handful of just tools. So if I had to, I can take a wheel off on the side of the road. Pain in the down, ass it is, but it's better than, tube, yep. better than the alternative. Yeah, we've done it too. We've been on a couple of rides where we just literally found blocks of wood or rocks and lifted a bike and set it on there and taking the wheel off and patched the tube and you know, knock on wood, on. I have never in my life had a flat. I mm. carry a kit just in case. As yeah. soon as I take that kit out of the saddlebags, yeah. I'm going to have a flat. That's where it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 So as far as getting your bike ready for that first ride, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, you know, I think you'll find that a lot of shops, there's one or two things that they always harp on, like is a pet peeve or, or a niche or whatever for that guy that runs it. Mine is tires and brakes, um, in particular, brake fluid. I don't know what it is. It's like the last thing on anybody's mind is to check your brake fluid to make sure you, A, have enough, or two, the condition of it. You know, I get a ton of bikes in the shop, you know, for service work. Um, and in my shop, there's a difference between an oil change and a service. Service is a lot more than just, you know, draining oil and putting new oil in. But anyway, I find it all too often. I say, oh, how's your brakes? Well, they work just fine. I'm like, okay, but, you know, have you ever done anything with them? What's what's a skinny? Well, no, they work. I'm like, okay, well, there's more to it than that. And I'll the old, pop, if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't <laughs> yeah, fix it. <laughs> yeah. So I'll pop the reservoir, and it's just filled with nasty brown to black fluid. Um, a lot of the times, I see it already gelling up on Most the reservoir. Most people don't think about preventative maintenance. Yeah, that's a big deal to me. It, it really. I is. don't wait until it's broke to fix it. Yeah, you know, I, we I service a lot of stuff for a lot of poor people. You know. Granted, they got enough money to have a bike, but they don't have enough money to upkeep it. And it's one of those things that it might cost you an extra 20 or $25, you know, to service your brake system. But when you don't do that and you come in and I have to flush everything and I have to rebuild master cylinders or rebuild brake calipers or whatever, now it's going to cost you more. Slightly more than 25 A little bit, usually. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just one of those things that I'm watching your dollar bill for you. Um, and some people just honestly aren't mechanical minded. Um, they like having the things, but they don't like jacking with them. So, right. You know, right. if you have a big issue, take it to somebody reputable or somebody that you're confident with and, you know, let them do their thing. I think most shops have a system or a, a program where uh, you can take your bike into and it's like a preseason checkup. Yeah. You know, just go through it, change the oil, do whatever you need to do. And then, Check A, B, C, and D to make sure it's safe for the road. Yeah, yeah. Any, any, if you're not inclined to do it, take it in and have it done. It's money well spent. Yeah. It's insurance. 
Exactly. You got to really keep is. insurance on your bike anyway. I mean, yeah, yeah. That really is something that, you know, I think is wise. And there's all the little things like uh, cable lubrication. Yeah. Uh, tension in your chain or belt. If you have a shaft drive, you've got your rear end, uh, different, or the gear, lube. Differential, gear yeah. lube oil. Uh, all these little things that maybe only need to be maintenance once a year, but they do need to be maintenance. Yeah, exactly. Can't, they just won't go forever. Right. You got to take be sorry. care of them. You got to take care of them. I mean, you can't go on, you know, not eating, not drinking, things like that. So how do you expect your bike to be able to not have the stuff that it needs to survive? So I'm going to shift gears just a little bit here. Let's say you don't have a bike. By God, this is the year you're going to get a bike. Yeah. The wife finally said you can get a Honda Rebel. Yeah. <laughs> Metropolitan. Yes, sir. Uh, so you maybe don't have the money to go out and buy a brand new bike. You want to go out and start looking around for a used bike. What are the things to look for in a used bike? Let's okay. say you're coming from, from an attitude of, I'm not a mechanic. Like myself, I know how to ride. I'm not a mechanic. Now, I've been around bikes enough to know I know how to shop for a used bike. But if you're a novice and you don't, mm-hmm. what do you want to look at? Because not everybody's on the up and up on the selling end of a bike. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very, just looking to unload very it. true. <laughs> very, very said, true. Here's my Huckleberry. Yeah, gotcha. Man, I mean, that's that's something I can go on and on and on for. A uh, couple things to keep in mind before we get into the logistics of what to look for in a motorcycle is have an idea what size you want. You know, you might talk to a guy and you might be looking at, you know, a 1,000cc a or, you know, 600cc or something like that. And this guy's got something else to sell you, so he's going to tell you it's the best thing in the world. Um, just Maybe it is for him, to. but that don't mean it is for you. Right, right, right. Know your limitations. Know what you're looking for. I mean, I'm not expecting a guy that's 5'5 five, five to go jump onto a BMW or a uh, Enduro or something with a seat height of like 30 or 32 inches. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, no, no, have, have somewhat of an idea of what you're looking for as far as the size of motorcycle. Um, I've never been a big advocate of your first bike being a tiny little motorcycle to get used to learning to ride on or something like that. I've always gone to the other side where, you know, if you think a 600 is the perfect size for you, get an 800 or a 900. Because what I find all too often is people will buy that small bike within six months to a year. They have vastly outgrown it. They're tired of it. Now they're they accustomed to it. Yeah. yeah. They can't sell it because they're cheap bikes, but they want something bigger and need something bigger and, they bought a smaller, cheaper so bike. So step up one bus. level to what you think you should have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get used to learning on that. And then it'll last you a couple more years as you kind of grow into it and or as it's going to be sustainable for you to go and venture out a little bit further as you get comfortable on. So now you've decided on the kind of bike. And by the way, we have done a podcast. I did one, one of the very first ones about what to look for in a new bike or used bike, uh, like you're talking about size and, mm-hmm. and style. But what I want to dwell into a little bit here today is things that might raise a red flag mechanically or structurally, Okay, uh, what to keep an eye out for. Okay. Some things that I always look at is it's easy for someone to look at the paint and easy to look at someone to look at the seat. And how many times have I heard, oh, it's pretty. Let's (laughs) get that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is the seller, you know, usually with people, if it's got decent tires on it and the paint's pretty, they'll buy it. And, you know, not knowing anything else or caring anything else about it. So the biggest things that I look at is, you know, anybody that's looking to sell a bike, if they really want to sell it, they're going to clean the thing up. 
So most of the time it's going to be clean. I mean, if it's just ragged out, dirty ass mess, you better get it in a hell of a steal because they did not take care of that motorcycle. If they didn't care enough to clean it up to take pictures of it or to sell it. Yeah. They didn't care enough to do anything with it before. So that's kind of where I go first off, but look at the things that are not easily touched or easily seen, you know, look to the underneath side of things, look to the inside of the engine as far as, you know, between cylinders and things like that. How dirty is it? You know, look for old oil that's been leaking out and burn up and staying on there or. Yeah. Cause if a bike leaks oil real bad, even if they've cleaned it up for the sale, mm-hmm. you're still going to find residue. If you look hard enough. Right. Exactly. Take a flashlight. with you. Exactly. You know, look for those little things that someone's trying to hide, if you will. Um, you know, if you run a chain drive bike, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's fine. You know, there's a chain on it. It moves, it goes. Look at the teeth on the sprockets. Are they bent? Are they, you know, tiny little teeth on there? Worn. Have they been worn out? Now, granted, those are all consumable items. You know, keep in mind, you're buying a used motorcycle. Anything could happen at any time. Not everybody's out there to Yeah, you have to you. kind of to, to, to discern your level of what are you willing to live with and go ahead and shell out extra money for knowing it's going to be repaired. Right, exactly. Um, something else that I always do is, I always look to the inside of the exhaust system. It's what do gonna, you see there? It's going to be sooty, yes. But if it's wet soot, like it's oil or super, super rich gas mix, you know, I kind of tend to stay away from some of those because most of the time I find it to be oil. You know, a rich mixture is going to be, you know, it's it's going to smell like gas. It's going to have some residue looking on it, but it's going to be a dry, dark black powder is what it's going to look like. But when it's that sticky blackness, like a two-stroke would have coming out of the exhaust, Mm -hmm. it's got valve seal issues or ring issues, and it's passing oil by. You know, some guys pass it off as, well, I don't ride it very much, so it's going to smoke a little bit. Or, you know, things like that. Well, they're most of the time, they're trying to hide the fact that it's just been road hard, and it's going to need to have maintenance or an overhaul done. Now, Uh, would you pull the plugs on on a bike you're thinking about buying? Um, if they'll let you, yeah. I would think if they wouldn't let you, that's a big red flag. Exactly. You know, the next thing everybody always does is they pull the dipstick. They want to see how much oil's in it, how black it is, how whatever it is. And that's a great idea. It really actually is. You know, if you ask somebody, hey, when's the last time you had an oil change? You're like, ah, oh, just done it. And then you pull the dipstick and that shit's black as night. You know, they're full somebody of crap. dishonest right out of the gate. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then the other thing is you, you can kind of tell a little bit from the oil, how it feels. Is it super, super thin? Does it smell like gas? You know, is there metal particulate? Is there gritty in it? Yeah. Um, now sometimes guys will change the oil last second to make sure that stuff is just perfect as possibly can be for somebody. And that's just kind of garbage and you might get taken on it, but you know, you, you can't do anything about that. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, check the oil. If they let you pull the plugs, um, pull the plugs, see how it's running. You know, if it's super, super black, it's rich. If it's super, super white, it's lean. Um, another idea, you can look at the exhaust pipes. Are they blue or are they black or are they still shiny? What is or, that an indication of? You got chrome pipes, but up at the head, they're, they got a blue glaze to them. Okay. Blue. If they don't have a heat shield on them, say it's like a Harley or other big, um, custom bikes where they don't have heat shields sometimes. All that bluing is, is, is heat. An exhaust is going to get hot. But what you don't want is a, like a bad bluing, like super, super bright blue, you know, 
three quarters of the way down the head pipe. That means the thing's running just way too lean. Now they run really good. They run like bad out of hells, but it's just bad on the cylinders. It's bad on the heads. It's just bad on the bike. So if you do look at that and it does have some bluing, you're looking for a, a deep blue, sometimes a little bit of a yellowish color. Um, that's, that's perfectly normal. Most of them are going to be like that if it's running an exhaust without heat shields. Most of today's bikes, actually all the bikes today have heat shields on them. Most of the time you can't see the raw head pipe. Um, metric bikes, there's an inner small pipe, an outer pipe, and then there's a heat shield over the top of that. So chances are you're not going to be able to see that anyway. Aftermarket exhaust is a little bit different. You can, you can kind of see the coloring on it. But just because it has some coloring doesn't mean that there's a problem. It just means that the exhaust has been on there for a little while. The exhaust gets hot discoloration happens. Is there any big one big thing that most people don't think about that they really should take a look at? Truth be told, it's kind of silly. The inside of the gas tank on an older bike, you know, pop open the gas tank lid and look inside of there. Take your little flashlight. Yeah, is it, is what are you looking for? Rust is what I'm looking for. Um, if they say it's been sitting for a long time or something like that, I always open it up. How much rust is on the inside of the fuel tank? Because how many problems are you going to have? What are you going to have to do to fix this problem? And then there's an expense in that. Um, but if it's pretty clean, you know, great. That's awesome. So there's that. Then the other thing I always look for is like gas line conditions, hose conditions, plug wire conditions. Like just see, are they tore up? Are they frayed? Are they tattered? You know, when you grab a hold of the gas line, is it sticky? I mean, has it been breaking down? Because that stuff breaks down from the inside out. And if the outside's bad, the inside part of that gas line is real bad. Well, now that's in your carburetor. That's in your, you know, just it's just in your system, and that sucks. Well, yeah, and these things are nothing that can't be fixed, but that's just extra money you're going to have to spend. Right. And uh, suspension, fork seals, uh, a lot of times you'll see oil on the forks and things like that. Yeah. That's, that's more money you got to put out. Exactly. Look for stains. Look for stuff that... You know, someone's tried wiping off, but they haven't got a very good job of it. You know, granted, if there's a dude out there that puts the freaking time in and he slicks one up inside and out and it has problems, chances are you're not going to be able to know until that problem bites you in the ass. You know, just, okay. just a side note. I remember when I was young, I was 20 something. I was in the service and I went to buy a used car off a dealer <laughs> and it was pretty. It was <laughs> nice. And, uh, and it was kind of a hot rod car. And it was clean as a whistle inside and out. Couldn't ask for a better looking car. And I bought it, paid cash for it. Didn't even get it home. The engine blew on it. <laughs> they put sawdust in the engine to make it quit knocking and rattling. <laughs> oh, it, it, I got about halfway home and it started rattling and knocking. And all of a sudden, bang, Yeah, it threw a rod. Yeah. I've heard of old old guys like that and old people doing like the sawdust trick. And I was slightly like discouraged and displeased. Ah, yeah, I bet. The place would have been burned to the ground. So, you know, there, the point being that there are people out there that will do nefarious things. Yeah. So just not to say that, you know, everybody out there is trying to sell you a crappy bike. Just be aware that when you're looking at bikes, and if you don't know this person, they could be. They yeah. may not be. They're probably not, but they could be. So look for the little details. Yeah, try to get a little backstory on the person, on the bike, you know, small talks and people to Why feel them out. Why are you selling out. it? How long have you had it? What's yeah, the deal? Yeah, now don't be a jackass out there and, you know, come up with a million and one questions, sit down with your binder and write them all down and answer them all and then tell the guy, you know, I'll have to get back to you. 
Like that's just a hassle. You're it's just gonna, wasting everybody's time. It's going to piss this dude off, you know, and it, it does not help for bargaining. But you know, when you meet somebody and be polite, be cordial, small talk them a little bit, tell them what you're looking for, and ask them about what it was for them. And, and typically, you'll get a feel of what kind of person they are. Exactly, exactly. And what I found is most of the dirtbags looking to rip you off. They ain't going to take any time. They're going to give you the least amount of answers possible. They're not going to know anything about it. And most likely they're going to say, well, I got this from my brother-in-law or a buddy and we traded it and I just don't want it. And, you know, I want to do something else. That's the ones that are usually are like. Oh, we got to watch out for it. Yeah. In my, my, you know, experience, you know, just look the thing over, try to find something that's askew, you know, something that just doesn't quite look right, you know. Something else I always look at is look at the frame, which everyone's like, oh, I don't know if it has frame damage or if it rides straight or doesn't ride straight or what. But look for impact marks. You know, if there's aerosol over a powder coated frame, like someone's painted over something. Right. You're going to notice it. Okay? It's been dropped. Yeah. Is there rusty parts on it from where the, the frame's been bent or something like that? Is there heat marks from where someone tried bending it back out and then painting it up? How do you feel about the guy that says, you know, you've, you've gone to shop for a bike, you've looked it over, you've done all these things, A through Z. Okay. I'm serious enough interested. I like to take it for a test ride. And the guy says, no, you cannot ride this bike. Say you ride it then. That's what I always tell people when they're like, well, you know, nobody's going to, no, no joy rides, no whatever. Okay. There are some people out there like that, you know, bring some money to show them that you got some skin in the game right? and say, you know, you can hold the money. I don't care. If I wreck the bike, I bought yep, it. It's mine. You know, a lot of guys will be like, oh, okay. You know, um, there's another thing too, you know, on, on my side of it, you've got to have a motorcycle's license to test ride a bike that I have for sale. Okay. Right. Granted, go into an individual that's a different story. Um, prove that you can ride it if you have a motorcycle's license or permit. I want to know that it rides straight. Yes. You know, you definitely want to know that. Um, on that side of it, you know, we'll finish off with this real quick. You know, if they are absolutely adamant that you don't ride it, ask them to ride it. You know, prove to me that this thing starts, it shifts through gears, it doesn't drag out the clutch on it and want to take off as soon as you put it into gear. Prove to me that I'm buying a rideable motorcycle right now, unless it's advertised as not, and then that's a different can of worms. So put them on the spot and say, okay, well, you ride it then. If you don't want me riding it, you ride it. Then sit back and listen to the bullshit story of why they can't ride it, or they're selling it for health issues, or I'm bummed up, or you whatever. You absolutely have to be willing to walk away. Yep, yep. Because I guarantee you there's another bike out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's lots sure. of them. If you're standing there, if you took the time to go meet this guy, go look it over. You spent time looking it over. You're there with money, ready to buy. And you tell them that I just want to make sure it, it works. You know, almost all the time, someone's going to let you ride it. Yeah. You know, show them that you have insurance. Show them that you have a license. Show them that you have cash. If they want to sell it and they're squared away, they're going to let you ride it, I'd say. With that being said, every time I always go to look at a used bike, First thing I do is walk up and touch the engine or the exhaust pipes. And granted, it might burn your ass a little bit, but yeah. what I want to know is That's a very good point. Has this guy started it, got it running very well, say it's got cold starting issues, or say it just is hard to start and it runs like shit right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, check to see if they're trying to fool you by having it pre warmed up and pre ready. You know, I've had guys ask me, don't start it until I get there. Granted, I could see why. You know, but, you know, that's going to help minimize any, you know, gray areas on it. 
So say this thing is stone cold. Good. You know, now you're going to get a true feel of what this thing actually starts like and actually runs like and have them start it up. Uh You know, how do you start this bike? How, you know, is there a procedure to it? Which a lot of fuel injected bikes now it's turn the key on, let the pump cycle, push start button. You know, if a fuel injected bike doesn't start right up or starts hard or something like that, you know, granted there's some bikes that crank three or four times before they fire. Not all bikes just go boom. There's a lot of bikes that are, are cold hearted. They don't start well, but those are usually vintage bikes. Yeah. 80s, 70s, 60s. Yeah. Or even through the 90s and shoot, now we're getting into early 2000s where metric bikes were still carbureted. Some Harleys were still carbureted. So, I mean, carbureted bikes are inherently harder to start just because you, know, you got to choke them. Sometimes you got to give it a little gas. Then you got to start it. Then you got to let it get some heat in the cylinders to where it'll stay running. So there's things that you got to expect with that. Okay. Well, if you haven't figured out how to buy a used bike from this conversation or what to do to get your bike ready, then, well, you haven't been paying attention. (laughs) Next time, we'll talk about long-distance riding, something that's more in my wheelhouse. I drive the bus. I don't repair the bus. (laughs) That's what I always tell people. Yeah. So between now and then, keep riding.